0: Listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD, available on Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Today's episode is a CPTSD episode, and I have a guest on who's joining me. Her name is Izzy, and she is a, in social media management for her career, and also is an artist on the side as and for fun. And you know, and she is in Buenos Aires, and she plans to move to the United States of America. Short, uh, uh, at some point here, so Izzy, thank you for coming on my show. Uh, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I honestly, when I saw that you were looking for people to guest, I was immediately drawn to it. I, I've done a couple podcasts before, and, and I really like the experience. Uh, so, so I'm thrilled.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on. It's not very often that I, I do get guests for cptsd episodes and understandable because it's yeah it's no not it's exactly so hard to talk about yeah yeah a lot of people um. unless they're really well into their their therapy and they've had a lot of mm-hmm. of work and they feel comfortable it, it is difficult for a lot of people to do to just come on and talk about it because there's always yeah. a possibility that it it could potentially bring a flashback or trigger someone.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but there's also, uh, like, at least for me at first, I also felt so vulnerable that yeah. I didn't want to expose myself to being commented on. Like, I didn't right, want absolutely. to open up the question of, is my trauma traumatic enough to the public? You know? Yes. there's Because there's a lot of that when it comes to living with CPTSD and, and socializing, um, yeah. at least for me, I always get like the first question anyone asks me is, Oh, what's your trauma? Like they want to see how bad it was.
0: Right. Yeah. As if it no, could be like true. one
1: thing that I can point out, you know?
0: Yeah. I know it's, it is something I, I agree. And I have the same problem. Um, we, we, the only people that know about my trauma, as, as I we briefly discussed um, earlier mm-hmm. off the air, was I, I really have only told, well, obviously my girlfriend knows, and my therapist, and then I have a couple extended family members that know. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I haven't really told anybody else. Um, I know that there's people on Twitter and obviously the people that listen to my podcast that have a a, like a general
1: understanding ABL, of her. yeah.
0: Yeah, but they're also, in retrospect, they're strangers. They're you know I'm yeah like, no it's never it's easier
1: to vent to a stranger I think.
0: Yeah, exactly. As long it's as a, like the
1: whole confession booth idea. Yeah, yeah it's
0: yeah. like I know yeah. it's it's it, there's a bit of irony to it because normally you talk about troubling issues with someone that you trust, like a therapist or yeah. family member perhaps, but right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, an, an ironic situation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Excellent. So when, when did you first discover or realize that there's, this was something that you likely were, were, were dealing with? Like, did you learn, did you find out so, by someone or did, or did you kind of discover it on your own?
1: So, um, I, I, I don't have a lot of clarity on, like, my childhood in particular, because um, it wasn't an an easy or fun or bright uh, childhood, sadly. Right. So, um, yeah, I I, I grew up in a very um, difficult household. To put it that way, because I don't want to trigger anyone. So uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it was a very difficult household in a very difficult neighborhood in a very difficult country, because <laughs> I'm originally yeah. from Chile, and Chile is a country that's it feels like a young country in the sense that we've only had democracy since the early 90s. Right. So a lot of stuff is very. Ent- antiquated and and still reminiscent of the fascist dictatorship that we suffered.
0: Yeah, that must have um, been really hard.
1: Yeah, because it seeps through your day-to-day life more than you think.
2: Mm.
1: How people treat each other in Chile, how the culture is in general, is so scarred. It's still a very open wound in our history and our culture because, right. well, I don't want to get too into it because yeah, it's very complicated, yeah. but, but we never really had like a proper closure moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So, so that's why it feels very antiquated. And because of that, it's very, it's very like conservative. It's very, um, anti-feminism, uh,
2: yeah.
1: Anti, uh, Equal rights for LGBTQ people. Like, it's very... uh, And it's also a very religious country. So there's also that. Um, And I knew that I was different from a very young age because I experienced OCD symptoms from a very young age. And then when I was about, like, 14 or 15, I remember that I was feeling so constantly vulnerable, so scared all the time, so anxious all the time because it was like I went to school and people bullied me and it wasn't like movie bullying where they just tell you you're a dork and move on. It was more like they would put me in a trash container and close me in and bang on the sides until I had a panic attack, you know?
2: Right. So I started
1: having panic attacks when I was about Mm fourteen. And I started having night terrors as well and difficulty sleeping. So that's when I was like experiencing a lot of difficulty just living my day to day life. Right, Um, And I was dissociating a lot, so I I started showing signs of being traumatized from a very young age. I was 14, 15 probably, and I remember begging my parents to please take me to a therapist. Because in Chile, people don't talk about therapy. People think that therapy is only for quote-unquote crazy people. Right. And that... It's something that it's not okay to do. Mm. So my parents were very reluctant. And when they took me, they were like, okay, we're going to take you just so you know that you don't need this. (laughs) And I remember I sat down with a therapist and I just had word vomit. I just told her everything that I was going through because... And I get a little choked up because I was feeling so on the edge. I was feeling so much hatred for myself, so much guilt. I think that's something that is not that talked about, about trauma, is that you feel immense guilt. Absolutely. Or at least for me, it's, it's, it's like, I felt constantly guilty and constantly paranoid. Um, And then uh, when I was about 16, after, right after I was, uh, Cause I was hospitalized in my house at first for about six months in which I remember like it was, I was allowed to go to my house to the, to drama club in school and then to blockbuster. I was allowed to go to blockbuster to pick out movies, but I was only allowed like certain sections of (laughs) (laughs) blockbuster.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: Yeah. so that was, that was me being hospitalized, and, and I stopped going to school. Uh, I asked them if I could graduate early, and I graduated at 16. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, I stopped going to school, and I was hospitalized for six months, and then they moved me to an actual psychiatric hospital okay. for about um two months. And after that, I remember I got out, and everything just went out of control. Hmm.
0: Because
1: over there, it's very, like, therapy is more focused on medication.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: It's more medication-focused, which has its advantages in some parts. I'm very pro-medication. I love the cocktail I'm on right now. (laughs) Uh, Okay,
0: yeah. uh,
1: But, yeah, it was very much like, let's just sedate you enough that you don't want to hurt yourself. And they misdiagnosed mm. me as well. They were just like, oh, yeah, you're just depressed. Right. So it's, they it's just gave common, me yes. lithium. And I was on mm. lithium for a really long time. Um, wow. And then, yeah. And then uh, I, I suffered through uh, certain things that I don't think anybody should go through. Um
2: yeah indeed. regarding
1: violence, the gendered violence um, I don't wanna uh, say too much, but it, yeah. it was yeah it, it I, I went through something very scarring on top of everything else when I was Great. 16. Jeez. Um, and I was homeless for a while when I was 16 because my parents kicked me out of the house because they were like, they were just fed up with me being ill. They were fed up with me not being okay. And they basically disowned me at that moment. They were like, you're an embarrassment to us. We don't want you here. You're a freak. Go.
0: That's, that is terrible. Like I was, I was going to ask, um, I'm, I'm assuming based on everything you've said so far that, it seems like uh, the, the views towards mental health basically is like non existent if you think about it. Like it's.
1: Yeah, no, it's just now the conversation just started. And even now that it feels like, oh my God, there's going to be a change because also we're finally getting rid of the constitution that the dictator wrote. And in that constitution, they refer to mentally ill people as not people, Ugh. basically. Wow! First Holy. of all, they don't even say like neurodivergent people. They say they they say it in a way in Spanish that's very aggressive. as, like okay. um, mentally wow. ill uh, yeah. or mentally disabled. And this, also physical physically disabled people are also uh, to not be considered people with rights in the Constitution.
2: Right. So,
1: and, and, you know, even if you do a bunch of laws on top of a Constitution that's really evil, the Constitution is still going to be evil. And when you want to make a really big change, it's going to be unconstitutional and it's not going to be... You know, and if you start from the basis that this person isn't a person because they're not like us. So, um, yeah. So, yeah.
2: Wow.
1: And even now, uh, so recently we had a a vote for the new constitution and the new constitution recognized uh, people with disabilities as people for the first time ever in the history of Chile. Okay. and people voted against it because they were worried that it would mean that we would take their taxes and
0: I heard you know like
1: this. yeah so so yeah so even though it's it's a conversation that's finally starting it's starting really slowly
0: <laughs> yes i actually remember reading about it online and my my initial reaction was why would they say no and i know and then i you know and then i read more and and they're saying that there's a few things that they're concerned about so they're going to make some changes to it and like i i didn't go too far into it because it, it's i didn't fully understand so i wasn't mm-hmm. trying to to elaborate too much but it it was yeah you would think i i guess they really really want to make sure it's Foolproof, I guess you could say.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and there was a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of fake news going around, oh, course, and yeah. and and in Chile, it's a little bit different because the fake news will go out on the main uh, on the main uh, media channels because right. uh, so like the people that basically own Chile, they they were all friends with the dictator. Okay. Like, all those families, they're all linked to the dictatorship in some way. Whether it was they were putting money for guns, or they were putting money for torture centers, or coming up with how they would torture communists. Right. Um, Wow. And and I say the word communist very loosely because back then what was considered communist was anything remotely racist, remotely leftist, I'm sorry, remotely leftist and and anything that had to do with being a teacher, for example, or being an artist. um, It wasn't... It it was very uh, reminiscent of Nazi times. Uh, People were being kidnapped and tortured and sent to camps and uh, to this day, about 50,000 people are still missing.
0: Holy smokes. So, needless to say, <laughs> the situation that is there, like in the past, and to some degree, a little bit today, really yeah. holds people back when it comes to yeah. like,
1: they're scared of change and, because we've yeah. been used to how things are for such a long time that, like, it was that it was a lot of misinformation, a lot of misinformation going around saying, like, oh, uh, if this new constitution passes, it means that disabled people get free stuff all the time and you won't. And, and it, it, you know, like the type of information that goes around or the type of rhetoric that goes around to like pit people against each other instead of, yeah. hey, we're going to have more rights as people, you know? <laughs> um, and even wow. it, it's it, like, just like... Even further illustrate how ridiculous this constitution is. It says things like you're not allowed to have plants on balconies because it lifts, it lifts morale up and they don't want that. Oh.
0: Yeah, so, I can see that. I can see that.
1: That's- and... And animals are referred to as furniture. So that also means that a lot of animal abuse is allowed in Chile because if you own furniture, you're allowed to destroy your furniture.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and it also says that, for example, women in a marriage, their, um, their duty is to satisfy their man sexually. And if they don't, then he has the right to sue them. Wow. So, oh, so yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's completely ridiculous. And it, and honestly, it really surprised me when it, the new constitution didn't go through because it, it, the new constitution, I read it. I was one of the few people that actually read it.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, and,
1: and it was so good. It was, it was thoughtful. It was, it, it made, it made space for everyone in the country.
0: Yeah. Which, which, and that's wait, something
1: sure, that yeah. we really need.
0: Yeah.
1: That's something that we really need time. right now. So I was I was really upset when I found out that the vote didn't go through and and that people didn't want that. And, and and it also opened up the doors to a lot of discourse like it. it Able is discourse. People yeah. were using a lot of slurs. People were slurs that I hadn't heard since 2011, you know? <laughs>
0: wow okay uh-huh. that's yeah just goes to show how it's not a quick fix and because no. people it's i think it's like any a lot of other examples you learn something or, or you you know something only one sort of way and they take it away and they give you something yeah. new it's it's so foreign and yes yeah. It's gonna take. It's probably gonna take a generation, or maybe two, to for it to really.
1: Yeah. No. Change. Like, I really, I really hope. To me, the the election of the current president, who's the youngest president we've ever had. Yeah. That really gives me a lot of hope because I think that it's really important right now to bring younger people into politics. Right. I think for that sure. it's time Absolutely. that younger people start contributing to the community and and working to the community directly whether it that is uh, i don't know uh going to your community garden or uh protesting yeah. once in a while or doing charity i i know that there's for example in in santiago i used to love uh going to the blind libraries because okay. they're always looking for people to record audiobooks and they're also always looking for people to read out loud to the children
0: nice that's
1: and that's and for sure that those little things that aren't really that time consuming or anything uh, mm-hmm. if you can do them like i feel like that's that's something that always contributes to making a better society yeah um, like uh, i remember like to me, once I started feeling mentally disabled. Yeah. Because um, I, I realized that I was different. I realized that kids didn't like me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: and that I would take longer to do certain things or that I would do certain things differently. Right. I started feeling much more empathy towards people people like me but before that it hadn't even crossed my mind i think that a lot of people live their life without even thinking what it's like to be in a wheelchair for example and the fact that some cities don't have elevators in their subways or for example here this is a very progressive city but they don't have elevators on their subway stations wow or um just how everything is built everything is built surrounding this one model of a human when in reality we're all different and we all need different things
0: yeah absolutely yeah i know it it, it, i'm sure it's coming it's just it's gonna take some time because things i think it's we probably in north america went through something very similar like we obviously didn't have a dictatorship running our country but
1: yeah no but you guys Still have a extremely yeah. old constitution, so that yeah. that also comes in play.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like our our acceptance of, of people who were disabled or or handicapped or like mentally and physically, like it's it's been changing, there's been a ton of improvement, like we have you, really good mental health.
1: So I have a question. Do you think sure. that because of wars and the rise of veterans basically that are disabled or mentally disabled, do you think that because of that there's been more acceptance towards the mentally ill community, or do you feel like it's done the opposite? How do you feel about that? Because I know that that's a big uh, thing, like, yeah. I... Uh, yeah. It's a it, good question,
0: it, honestly. Um, I think actually, the problem is, is the, it was, it was a society, society itself was keeping it back from Mm -hmm. acceptance, right? Like even like if I'm, I, back when I was a child and I was a kid, the understanding and the knowledge of. Of mental health was very small and not yeah. very broad, right? So there wasn't a lot of understanding, and it was, and and there was the usage of certain words and certain phrases were was common practice, like, uh, mm-hmm. have, example, like crazy house, uh, the mental institute, you know, like institutions yeah. and the loony bin,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and and the understanding and the and the acceptance and just the the willingness and and the the desire for them to help people there was yeah. there was some but it was really limited like it was
1: well yeah like if you think yeah. about the history of health in general is like medicine isn't that old no and mental health old. is even younger because if you yeah. consider Mental health, I guess, like historically started a long time ago. But when it started, it didn't start as a let's help these patients live their day-to-day life. It was more like, yeah. let's help them not be a nuisance.
0: Exactly. Let's, let's help let's them build not. hospitals for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's build hospitals for them. Let's sedate them. Let's, you know, do the old lobotomy. You know, it, it was more about getting people like us out of the way.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And I don't exactly know what started it, like how it really took off. Like
1: Mm -hmm. we're,
0: we're much better today. um, Yeah. As far as compared to 50 years ago, we're we're way better, but we're still Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm not trying to, to put down the United States. And a lot of people who I've, who have actually have talked to have, and they're not shying away about it. Have have said that the United States has a long way to go before yeah. their mental health support's going to be even satisfactory because it's yeah. it, there's still that, and I'm sure even where you you know where you live, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It's and it's probably more common amongst the men. I I, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe the some of the women have this sort of behavior or thought pattern too where. A lot of times, they're they t- they're instructed by their father or by their teachers or coaches or, or whoever mm. to to be tough about it or to to keep yeah. quiet and to try and push through and and fight through it rather than be vulnerable and admit. Yeah, no,
1: like with women, the thing is they are gonna allow you to cry, but then they're gonna call you hysterical about it you know they're yeah. they're gonna call you a drama queen they're gonna right. call you uh too sensitive you yeah, know that's that's, that's, that's the thing like common, it, it yeah it's a double-edged sword you know like it that's the thing that uh sometimes i feel like it doesn't come across when it's when the conversation is about feminism is that it goes both ways Like, uh, gender norms go both ways. So it's, it's just as harmful for men and it's, as it is for women. Absolutely. And, and and non-binary people. And for example, like with women with mental health, for example, or health in general, most studies aren't done on women. So
2: Hmm. I could see that
1: historically most studies have been done on men so for example stuff like for example heart attack which is very different for women than it is for men for example a woman could have a heart attack for days and it would show as her being nauseous not the shooting pains in the arm for example and we don't know those things and when it comes to mental health with women they were diagnosed with hysteria for the longest time yeah, and that was yeah. it. There was no exploration of the female psyche uh, and how our culture has shaped us to be certain ways and to be more susceptible to certain things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know, like the the understanding, the educate okay, the education on on mental health and the understanding of it from both a professional point of view and. Just a like a, a common person, is yeah. is still lacking. Like it's there's there's a lot there's a lot way more psychologists and psychiatrists out there, and yeah, no, and, and trauma coaches. And that's why, yeah,
1: that's why it's also harder to get diagnosed as a woman, right? Because symptoms might show differently. And most psychologists are, like, the, the book that they have to diagnose people It's mostly based on studies done on men. So, for example, women yeah. with autism have a really hard time getting diagnosed yeah. because autism shows very differently in women.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so, so, yeah, like, um, I feel like because we have a history, I think that it's really important to be aware of history, and totally. to understand where mental health is today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and absolutely.
1: to understand that it's a it's a very young field. It's yeah. it's very young. It's very new.
0: Yeah. Well, complex and trauma yeah. has only been around since early mid eighties. That's a, that's when it yeah. was actually discovered and they made a name for it. And I yeah, know and I bet it yeah.
1: even has some links to the Cold War and everything, if it was in the eighties. Probably. And the veterans coming home, right?
0: Yeah, because they didn't really... Like, the the first true understanding and any sort of real push was, was after the Vietnam War and some of the other yeah. wars because there were so many veterans that were coming back and had...
1: After seeing horrible, admit, horrible things, yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, like, I think I remember reading that after, like, the World War One and World War Two, they were just calling it shell shock, or they, you know, and they they weren't, they thinking, oh, it'll pass, or, or it, like, and a lot of yeah. soldiers never talked about it. They never, yeah. ever talked yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, because they
1: also happen? come from the military culture of, yeah. you have to keep a straight face and be Absolutely. ready for combat at any moment.
0: Yeah, it's very damaging, and... Who's to say, like, in 30, 40 years from now, it's kind of an unknown. We have no idea what yeah. the, the studies and the, and the understanding of mental health is going to do for society and I, the challenges I that, that they're going to face.
1: Yeah, no, and and, and it's completely unpredictable because right now we're in a, at least to my perspective, I always haven't studied this or anything. But at least from my perspective, as someone that's like, I'm in my mid 20s and I have a younger brother, and he's TikTok, for example. Yeah. And I see a lot of kids on TikTok talking about uh, mental health terms that I had no idea about when I was their age.
2: Huh.
1: Now they misuse a lot of these terms. Right. But the terms are being thrown around. The conversation is starting amongst younger people, too. That's good. That's so, good. That so yeah, I mean, it's, it. it's kind of cringe in the meantime.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: there's kids that are out there faking certain disorders for attention and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. and, and I mean that with, like, a grain of salt, because obviously I don't want to accuse anyone of faking it. But... Right. I'm talking no, about kids that are saying that they have severe hallucinations and or stuff like that uh, to, like, garner attention through hashtags and stuff like that. But, uh, but at least it's being thrown around out there. Like, uh, when I was younger, the only turns related to mental health were, like, depression
0: yeah.
1: and slurs. You
0: know? <laughs> well, yeah. Like, there was, I th- yeah. The very common, some of the common things back then were like schizophrenia. Um, yeah, like don't be multiple,
1: so schizo or stuff yeah, like that. Like, stuff like that personality disorder. Me. Yeah, like yeah, or like I feel like the term OCD is also thrown a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and well, they, it's something they that they stigmatized
0: it, has,
1: it. Yeah, no, it, it's something that's that definitely has been bothering me for the last few years. I used to think that it was something that I I just had to deal with and, and that I had to be understanding and that I had to be patient and that's all very nice. Yeah. But nothing's going to change if we're constantly patient about other people's ignorance and other people's, um, other people's biases and and, and stereotypes. Yeah,
2: Yeah, You know,
1: if if we don't tell the guy that, for example, I went on a date once and this guy uh, asked me why I was going through a a phase where I was changing medication so I was exposing a lot of symptoms. Yeah. And one of them was repeating myself a lot. Uh, I would repeat the last word I said like three times at least before moving on. Right. Um, so he asked me like why did you do that and I mm. said and I regret how I phrase this now but I, at that moment I said I'm really sorry I'm weird I have OCD and okay. this guy goes oh that's the cleaning thing right <laughs> and I said yeah, yeah. no it's it's not really oh. like that and he goes dude do you want to clean my house if you really love cleaning <laughs> So, so, yeah, and, and at that moment, I was like, you know what? Fuck being nice. I'm going to tell Absolutely. this guy, no, and you know why? And I'm going to be nice enough to educate you right now because I don't have the necessity to educate you or the I don't owe you that. But it's not like that at all. It actually, it, it, when if I do get stuck in a cleaning loop, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not having fun. I don't think anybody with OCD that cleans a lot likes cleaning.
0: <laughs> no, it's a
2: <laughs> lot it's of anxiety. it's not about
1: that. Yeah. And, and, and how I try to illustrate it sometimes it's like the feeling of about you're watching two cars about to collide and they're always getting closer and closer and closer and they never crash. That's the feeling.
0: Yeah. Wow. that's I can totally see how, yeah, I get that feeling. Wow. Gee, that's the feeling intense. of anxiety.
1: Yes, so, absolutely. So yeah, so like now, every time that someone is very ignorant about it or, or very, uh, I how do I say it? What's I'm bigoted about it? When I hear someone still use a slur, for example, especially in Spanish, there are a lot of slurs for mentally ill people. Right. And okay. slurs, they're, they're very, they vary within each country because each country has their own dialect, and it's, it's more intense here when it comes to accents and dialect, right. uh, compared to the English speaking world, or even the yeah. French speaking world or, or anything. So there's a lot of bad words that you can say to refer to a mentally ill person, and uh, every time I hear those, I'm not nice about it anymore. And I don't think that anybody should be nice about it anymore.
0: yeah, absolutely. I think it's that time where yeah, we need to keep it under wraps because there's more awareness. there's way more discussion happening. Um, more and more people are are being diagnosed with mm-hmm. w- one or the other, you know, like, and
1: yeah, mental is, health is yeah. becoming way more accessible.
0: Absolutely. I, I know there are some places where mental health is not exactly open. Like like you can get the, the access, but it's not exactly the most open country yeah, when it no, comes to support.
1: I, I think tough. that it always brings the challenges. Even if, if you live in a country that right now has free therapy, still making the decision to go to therapy is already a hard decision because it's a decision to go look at yourself and look at yourself really hard. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, (laughs) And it it might
1: make you feel better, but it also might make you feel worse for a while. And you got to accept that your journey is not going to be linear. It's not going to be always up, 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 up. And that's something that you have to commit to.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It makes it easier. The one thing I, I think I've noticed and having the fortune of of having a society that is becoming more and more aware and accepting of mental illness mm-hmm. is the I it's it's it was hard for me to go at first to see a therapist and discuss all the different problems and the issues mm-hmm. that I was experiencing and, and learning about you know why this happens and, and why why you're having these struggles. That was hard enough, like you say, to go and, and take care of it and to to admit to yourself and accept that there's a that I have something I need to take care of in order to yeah. feel better inside. I'm I'm fortunate that I don't have to worry about if I bring it up to somebody it's there's gonna just be a a nothing but a a all negative feelings Mm -hmm. and negative like oh you're 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 well literally crazy there's there's nothing wrong with you you know it's it's just all in your head like blah 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 like uh, I'm having a hard time imagining if going to see a therapist is difficult and then on top of it living in living somewhere where mental health issues and illnesses isn't exactly A norm or 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 it's frowned upon or hush-hush like in britain you know like not there's not a lot of people who talk about it openly it's 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 a really difficult subject to bring up
1: well yeah and i mean like a lot of mental health mental illnesses are so demonized to Mm these to this day to i mean like Every month, you can see a new horror movie coming out with a mental ill person being the <laughs> the monster, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. and so so it's hard. It's hard, even in like modern Western society, and because yeah, because yeah, it's it's just hard to talk about, and it's it's hard to be out there, whether it's it's in a You you know, first world, second world, third world country. It's all, it's all difficult. It's. um, I know, but I I'm really hoping that at one point we get we get to a point where going to a therapist is just as natural as going to the doctor for a checkup. Yeah, you know,
0: no kidding.
1: Where you you might not be someone that it's quote unquote mentally ill or like extremely mentally ill or something um Mm -hmm. but it's always good to check up on your mind you know i think that it's always good to reflect and it's always good to check up on and like whether that is through like a spiritual route i i I prefer therapy but but i think that it's always i it's something that i like i tell everyone like yeah i go to therapy and you should too we all should go it's so it's so good for you
0: (laughs) absolutely they a lot of people say it everybody at some point should do, should go even if it's just for a couple sessions or so you no, know no, there's nothing little, wrong with it
1: see what's going on in that old exactly. noggin you know
0: and it probably does them it would probably do them a ton of good if they did because there might be something that maybe they want to get off their chest and talk about and and it do them a, a world of good like
1: yeah no and then you you also learn how to build better relationships And you end up being happier. And, like, for example, like, right now I'm going through um, a very intense form of exposure therapy. Right. For my CPTSD. This is the second time I've been going through it. Uh, But the first time I did it, they also made me go to group therapy. That was a type of DBT therapy uh, and... Right. Okay. Uh, and it, it was designed for people with borderline personality disorder. But I think that that group therapy course that I did, I would recommend it to everyone because it gave me tools to recognize my feelings, to reward them in a proper way, yeah. to communicate effectively, to know when to communicate and when not to. Right. And to also understand when someone might need to communicate something to me. So, yeah. like, I, I think that we, like, normalize therapy a normalize group therapy and normalize, you Absolutely. know, look looking up for a manual in life. There's no shame in asking for help. Being a human is tough and mm-hmm. right now in the western society that we have that's centered around capitalism and working and being efficient is even harder
0: absolutely well yeah I, I know it's it's very difficult for a lot of people especially when they're having a hard time making ends meet and yeah some some have to decide are they gonna are they gonna eat a, a decent meal or are they gonna have to pay rent or pay a bill like it
1: yeah no and i feel that it, a lot of young people are going through that right now. I think that yeah. generational wealth is definitely a thing. And, and a lot of people my age, we're having a hard time finding good paying jobs. That's the reality. Everywhere in the world right now, because I know a lot of expats. I know a lot of immigrants. I've lived in several different countries. And everywhere right now, it's really hard for young people to find a job yeah. unless you're a developer or you're even then it's a still a very competitive field so it's still hard to make ends meet and to on top of that have to worry about paying therapy you know yeah. because therapy is really expensive Absolutely. when it shouldn't be
0: no you're right and there's it, it's it's a um, it's funny how and i don't know if it's probably a little different there but Every time they bring up, um, like there are politicians, they bring up ideas and and what they're going to do, and how they're going to improve that, like they want to make improvements and they want to mm-hmm. make it easier for people to to get this or or obtain. Um, health care like our sorry um, prescriptions and, and make yeah. prescriptions and make make going to the doctor less less expensive or you know and inc- decrease wait times and nobody ever i have never ever once seen any any of them talk about or even mention mental health care yeah like, no it's they, not they considered say, it oh, at all yeah we're gonna we're gonna improve mental health care it's like uh, okay a couple of months ago, our prime minister, mm-hmm. uh, they were making a deal with another party and they were going to get dental care and prescriptions to be included in the health care act. So mm-hmm. we could go to the dentist and get covered. We wouldn't have to pay out of our, our pockets for any of our dentistry and prescriptions would be completely free instead of having to pay whatever yeah. percentage and there was not one bit of it had anything to do with mental health. Like, there was- well, yeah,
1: because, like, we still think of, I think that we still think of uh, not only mental illness in general, but also, like, disabilities. I- I'm talking and- about physical disabilities as well, or pre-existing conditions. We, as a society, we still think of it as an other not as something that's happening to current people in my community, my neighbor, yeah. my children's classmates. It, it you know, it's not something considered it's still considered as the other. Yeah. That's a special case. I could never be the same. Well so why should I care? You know, it's it's very like
0: absolutely
1: because no and, and, one, obviously, yeah. nobody wants to be in that position. So we we don't think about it, and we think of it as something far away, you know.
0: Yeah. So the I think that that's why. That. It's, yeah. It's- I know. It's it's pretty sad, and the irony of of all of it is that it's coming. It's I'm not saying the coverage and and free mental health care is coming. I mean the, the uh, number of people who are going to have mental health issues, whether it's trauma or or ADHD or BPD yeah. or or all the other different ones that are that are affecting us, there's going to be a large a, a number increasing in numbers, and and more more and more people getting diagnosed, and there's going to be more people saying, why isn't this Included, why can't we get this yeah. for free? Why do we have to spend $200 every time we want yeah, to no. see somebody for help? Yeah,
1: and, and I think that also has to do with the fact that, uh, like in, in his Western history, we've always thought as mind and spirit as something abstract rather than something physical, when it, in reality, yeah. it is something very physical.
2: Absolutely. Your brain
1: physically goes through things and when and and this is something that I was also explaining to my siblings now that because they had come visit me and they hadn't seen me since I I was actually formally diagnosed with CPTSD and they saw my my service doc for the first time and they sort of saw my day-to-day life Um, but yeah like it, it, it's not it's not something that people consider on their day-to-day day day life they don't think about it they don't no um and yeah, yeah until it happens
0: yeah until it happens to them or someone that they know yeah. like a family member or their loved one it they yeah you're right it never comes up they never think about it in their day-to-day. Yeah, no. Like, oh, and, and, I should go see a therapist today, you know? like
1: Yeah, no, and, and and it's also like, it's something that I also have to do, like a mea culpa, because, okay. uh, so, when I first moved out to the city, uh, I made, a f- made friends with a group of people, because we were all um, running to uh, win this, like, film school scholarship, uh, so we were all studying together, and one of the girls, in the group Mm. uh, she was in a wheelchair and i had never actually hung out with someone in a wheelchair before right because my school wasn't wheelchair friendly so Mm. there were no kids with wheelchairs at my school and up until then i hadn't realized how inaccessible the city is how yeah. counters when you go to a restaurant or to a, a to the doctor even the counters are gonna be way high
0: yeah absolutely yeah,
1: you know that, that, and
0: that, yeah the accommodations for for physically disabled people are few and far but you know they, I think for so I don't know how it is where you are I, and I, I it probably isn't a law but for us, any commercial locations, any restaurants, any, any yes. biz- place of businesses has to have, have a ramp or like a
1: surface. Yeah, no, here, yeah. There's certain like regulations that are like that, but it depends also on the city and because Argentina has like different governments according to each city as well, uh, um, yes, Yeah. to like their provinces and stuff. Um, but yeah. And, and also like, what i was also explaining to my siblings was that cptsd is also a brain injury yeah in a way yeah your brain structurally changes i i can't i had to tell them like if you look at a brain with someone of someone that has cptsd versus a uh, quote-unquote normal brain or healthy yeah. brain it's yeah. very different so Mm-hmm. we have to stop thinking about mental health and our mind as something abstract inside us that we can't touch or see because it is something that we can in a way see it's yeah. just a different language but we can't see it
0: yeah yeah absolutely hmm okay <laughs> wow all right um so okay so here's a couple questions for you <laughs> specifically um When you, after you were diagnosed, and Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you you were going to therapy for a while before you got the diagnosis, like it wasn't yeah no. So first, yeah. So
1: first, they they almost immediately diagnosed me with uh, clinical depression. Right. Yeah. In Chile, and that was my diagnosis in Chile. Um, And then when I moved here. And started going to therapy here, where therapy has a different history. Here, there's also been democracy for longer, um, and there's different styles of therapy that aren't available where I'm from yeah. in Chile. So, here I was able to get a proper diagnosis that took a while to get, and um, that I uh, that I felt more comfortable and, and confident with, and. Mm-hmm uh, um, but, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a process.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, I, well, so after you got your diagnosis, what was the hardest thing for yourself when you finally understood what was like the reality of, of your situation in your life? What was the hardest thing that you dealt with that you struggled with beef like at the beginning because obviously it's going to take some time.
1: Yeah, no, at first it, it really took, it really took a toll on me. Like I remember it was, it was something that like, I really had to go through a process of, I don't know how else to put it, but in a way mourning the person I used to be. Yeah. The little girl that I used to be before all The horrible shit that happened to me happened to me. I had to go through a process of that and also to confront my guilt because I felt so guilty. I felt like, oh, but some people go through stuff that's even worse and maybe they're not dealing with the stuff I'm dealing with. And I'm here crying every day and having panic attacks and being a baby about it. That's how I felt. And I felt so guilty about it. And, and I, I I really had to, like, confront that idea and also confront the idea that I'm not how I used to be. My brain had a before and after. Yeah. Um, whether that was an instant before and after or a slow process of before and after, I don't know, because my story is very prolonged, but... That means that I had to mourn the person that I used to be.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think that's probably the case for everybody who who has it. Yeah,
1: I think that. You know? I think that also people that go through accidents and have a a, a severe body modification because of that. Uh, it, yeah. It's that it's it's giving closure to the idea of who you were before. Yeah. And be open to not knowing who you are. I think that that's really important as well. To be able to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is to live with this new brain. I've got to learn how to do it.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, you you mentioned uh, earlier before the show that mm-hmm. your, your husband is, is extremely helpful and very... Yes. ...like supportive and patient with you um one thing i didn't actually get to ask was when like did you know him before or after the diagnosis after okay uh so so... okay yeah so when he when you first knew him Mm -hmm. what what was his like how did he react and what was his understanding of it when, cause I'm sure you didn't just like first date say, Hey, I've got CPTSD. and I No, no, no,
1: no. So like, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it, it was actually really, a really kind of funny situation in a way yeah. because, uh, we were both, so I met him online right. when we first met. So, um, I remember we had, uh, we started having video calls every single night, and we would talk for hours and hours and hours, mm-hmm. and I would worry so much that I wouldn't, like, repeat myself or have a tick or, you know, or dissociate yeah. too notoriously. Yeah. <laughs> I was so worried about those things because I was so used to people judging me based on those things. Yeah. But then... I can see that. Uh, In the conversation, like, it sort of came up because I couldn't hide the fact that I'm not longer really in contact with most of my family or that uh, I don't remember a lot of chunks from my childhood, you know, I couldn't hide those things anymore. So I was like, yeah, I, I have this. And he was like, okay. That's actually a relief because I was hiding that I have ADHD. <laughs> uh,
0: well, look at that.
1: So, so we were both like, "Thank God, we're both not normal."
0: <laughs> that's that's great because yeah, he I can just totally see that he's thinking is he, what's she gonna think of me having ADHD and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I no, totally and, see and that. And then he
1: he also like explained to me that he had also dated other neurodivergent people before. Okay. And like in a serious relationship. Uh, okay. And so he was more used to being around people that are neurodivergent or have mental illnesses. Um, yeah.
0: Wow, that's, that's so, nice because that actually... So he, he has experience. It's not like it was just a sudden...
1: Yeah, no, and he do. has experience. And, and I think that also... Um, I... I think that also because of the great work that I've done with my therapists uh, on not just how to cope personally with symptoms, but on how to socialize with symptoms, which I think is such an important, crucial part of of moving on when you have a mental illness is to accept that it's going to be there and to live with it and be able to socialize with it as well. Because you can't be hiding forever. You know, you can't be alone forever so so oh, because sure. of that like when i started because um, when we met i was going to therapy but it was regular therapy i i had just finished doing trauma therapy uh, exposure therapy i mean so um i was very stable and very you know okay for a while and just going to therapy regularly and you know keeping up yeah. with it uh and then we got married, and then uh, about a month after, I had to start exposure therapy again. Uh, um, okay. Because the thing with exposure therapy and with CPTSD is that it's not like you can find a cure that's a cure forever.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's something that you have to work on constantly.
0: Absolutely, for sure.
1: And cycles and stuff like that. So um, so I was so worried that – because. I knew that exposure therapy means me not being 100%. Right. It means me being in a crappy mood. It means me having more panic attacks, more night terrors, uh, more dissociation, more tics, you know, more everything. It makes everything Mm. more intense and it makes me more vulnerable. And I've had to first remind myself that he chose to marry me. Yeah. And also remind myself that we said in in sickness and in health. And yes. that would mean a physical illness just as mean as the mental one. Correct. And also yeah, yeah. I I worked with my therapist. We were like, okay, let's do this. Let's make a plan for when you feel absolutely bad and you have to you want to hang out with your husband. Um, let's give him, like, options of things to do with you for those moments. And it'll be your toolbox. It'll be your emergency kit. And I think that that's so nice. healthy in a, in, in a long-term relationship to have. Because yeah. when I'm in crying and, and about to have an anxiety attack or something like that, it, I'm not thinking what I can do to make myself feel better. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die. So, for him to have written down, hey, let's watch the sound of music, for example. Okay. That's interesting. That's really helpful, you know? To have that, like, emergency kit, you know? Or, like, he knows to grab me some ice cubes or to, like, open the window and... Yeah. ...help me breathe and stuff like that and how, how to talk to me because we've talked about it. I think that as the more you talk about it with your partner, in the sense not to like quote unquote trauma dump yeah or or anything like that but to talk of what to do when you feel like you are in crisis yeah that's yeah, really that's, good that's very it's, smart. it's it's almost yeah. like having a first aid kit you know totally
0: uh, yeah that's actually that's actually a, a a great idea because if if they're you know he obviously is 100% supportive of of what you're going through mm-hmm. and he understands and he's and he's he's what totally wanting to help you however he can right like he's obviously not yeah there's there's things yeah he no exactly do. the people that
1: yeah. love you and that support yeah. you that's all they want they want to they want to understand and they want to be able to help and that's yeah. it they're like people that truly love you aren't going to judge you. And if they do, it comes from a place of ignorance. It doesn't come from a place of of, evil, you know?
0: Yeah. no, for sure, for sure.
1: So, so the more transparent you are, I mean, like, for example, the conversation that I had with my siblings before, where I told them, please, like, look into it, look into my diagnosis, read about the symptoms, you know, get educated about it. If you have someone in your life that's mentally ill or mentally disabled, Get informed about it. You don't need to be super invasive with them. There's the internet, you know, and you can ask them, hey, when's a good time for me to ask you certain things that I can, I want to ask you to make our relationship better, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I know it, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's about trusting people a lot of times and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely. Had a hard time open like being open to my husband sometimes because I I was so used to being shut down.
0: Yeah, Um, I know. Like I said, a lot of effort.
1: Yeah, no, and and CPTSD and PTSD comes with so much guilt. Like I was saying, that like yeah, getting rid of that and trusting someone it's a a really big step.
0: Yeah, I know. There's an interesting thing that I read a, a while ago, and there's a neurotypical it's called windows uh, a window of tolerance and Mm -hmm. there's the neurotypicals window of tolerance which they say is a wavy line so it it, Mm -hmm. it gets close to the to the edges of of both sides where it's the it's the like dissociation side and then there's the where you're extremely vigilant and you're on guard and it, yes. it's close, but it never touches, and it's constant, and so it's a it's a nice mm-hmm. middle. And then there's the there's the window of tolerance for people who have suffered from trauma, whether it's PTSD or CPTSD, and they're saying that it's all over the place, and it yes. goes up, and it's way up, and then it hits, and it's in the middle for a bit, and then it goes down, and you're dissociating, and you're you have you're just basically almost like you're zoned out and then it comes back up, but it's not like straight yeah, no, back it,
1: and it, forth. It really is a roller coaster of things. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's yeah, no.
0: Yeah. And it's tough. It's it's hard for someone who's just starting. Like if if they are just starting their therapy and they're just getting their diagnosis, it can be very, very difficult for them yes. to, to deal That's
1: with, with it.
0: normal things. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it toughens it, it. I I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm like a, a from the eighties, but it, it does toughen up a lot of people because they have to, they either let it take it or oh, they consume them and mm-hmm. they do nothing. And then, and then they, well, who knows, right? It's, Anything can happen. You either or break or out any... of it
1: or you get lost in the sauce. Yeah. like it, yeah. it's it's something that that's the thing that me getting a diagnosis wasn't about me looking for a new identity or me looking for something to make me interesting or right. <laughs> uh, looking for a new Pokemon to collect. You know, like it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't about that. It was about me. Being at the edge of my life and yeah. needing help and needing yeah. guidance because Absolutely. it got to a point that I wasn't living a good life. Yeah. I wasn't. I, I was living a horrible life. Yeah. And, I know. And, and I think that a lot of times we're caught up in toxic positivity of like, oh, it's going to get better. It's always going to get better. Sometimes it doesn't get better for a while. And that's also okay. That's also okay. And I think that that's something that we really need to face. And that when you get diagnosed, it's something that, like, it's okay to not be okay. And that's something that isn't easy to come to terms with. Because we're always having to be productive and always having to be functional and always having to be, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing a lot of people always a lot of people out there who are hiding or, or are afraid I should necessarily hiding isn't the right word, but are too afraid to talk about it because they're afraid of what is, what will come from it or. Yeah. What the
1: consequences of admitting that you're quote unquote crazy, right?
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of advertising where they talk about mental health, where they show a person who looks and acts like he's fine and he's happy and and everything but in in reality he's scared out of his mind and he's constantly in fear and he's always stressed and and he's worried about some of them are, are worried if they're even going to be alive in in a month or two because there's yeah, it's no, so it's, intense. Yeah. It's, it's really scary and some people like there are some people out there that that don't even necessarily realize how bad it is like how right like yeah. they live it. they live a life a certain way for such a long time and then something new or something very different comes into their life and it triggers it or it completely throws them yeah. for a loop and like myself i i never really faced it Until I started a relationship and got serious because I didn't understand that my issues, like my my CPTSD and my trauma was Mm -hmm. getting in the way and causing so much difficulty. Yeah. I I had a hard time admitting to myself and taking ownership of that because... Mm -hmm. For the longest time, I always thought it was the other person that was causing the problem, that I was misunderstood or that I wasn't, be, I wasn't given a chance. And yeah. when I finally realized that I'm causing, like, it wasn't me as me intentionally going out there and and causing problems. It was I would, I'd have a difficult situation or a conflict or and, and I was too scared to to see that it's okay to have a conflict it's yeah. it's normal it's this is this is life conflicts are every day uh, in in everybody's life and i was too afraid to face it so i would something would would happen in 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 response and so that was always causing problems and i never realized yeah. to where it was coming from and it didn't occur until something until i had a major change like
1: yeah, no, like for me, it was because uh, when I first moved out here, I was living with an, an ex-boyfriend and mm. he was not familiarized with any sort of mental health issues at all. He wasn't very informed about anything and everything. So like he didn't really understand what a panic attack even was when he right. met me. Yeah. Um, and since I hadn't been diagnosed yet, and I hadn't been properly treated yet, I was going through it. So, uh, and I remember being like, "Okay, but what? What do I do when I can't can't hide it anymore? Because we live together." Right. I had gone through the whole relationship before that. Not being just being able to hide it in certain ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then when I lived with someone I was like you can't hide anything when you live with someone.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, cuz if um, you go in your room and you hide there's they they're, it's they're going to they're going to go okay something's something's not right. Are you Yeah, okay? no, when you live with you know? someone
1: you can't just like yeah. stay in your bed for 3 days. No, you can't exactly. and and that's when you face your own symptoms as well you're like okay maybe this isn't how life is supposed to be
0: yeah yeah it's it's amazing how difficult learning about something that affects your life so much like it's it this isn't just a once a week maybe it'll happen maybe it won't no it's it's every single minute it's (laughs) every single minute yeah, and that's what's yeah. so hard, especially for someone who's very new to it. Like it's yeah. it's gonna be yeah, a no, very and- Yeah, it's gonna be a struggle and it's gonna it will be hard and some some people may be better at dealing with it than others. It's it's a
1: Yeah, I know and, yeah. and also like there's so many different like at the same time I wanna remind people that just as like it seems very bleak and that like things are going to be tough and that it's hard to do therapy. There's also every day there's more people doing research and more people putting their hard work into it. And there's so many options of types of therapy. Yeah. Like if you start looking into it, you can find so many different schools of therapy and schools of psychology and, and, um, there, there are options. There are people that can help you that want to yeah. help you.
0: Absolutely. And that's okay, why it's so, it's so
1: important yeah. to go to therapy too, because you don't want to like yeah. unload everything on your partner.
0: No. And that they're not their therapist that, you know, exactly. your partner is your partner. They're, they're They're supposed to be your equal and someone who loves you and understands you, but they're not meant to be someone that you, you lay all your problems on and say, what do I do about this? I don't understand. Why am I, ha- you know, like they, yeah. they might at first be helpful, but it, you know, that, that's not their role. That's not, that's not what yeah, they no. are for. No. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So I have one final quick question okay. for you before uh-huh. we end here. Now you, we talked earlier and it was, I think we just briefly went over it. What, al- what ultimately are you looking like? for your, for you f- to do for others, as well as hoping other people will do. Like you said s- something about trying to just normalize. Yeah, this. just
1: talking about it, just talking yeah. about it to not have it be something so shameful because to this day I still th- find shame sometimes. Right. Some people make me feel embarrassed. Some people make me feel ashamed when I shouldn't be. Uh, so, so yeah, like I was saying before, like, I want people that are going through it to find the strength to not be nice about it anymore. To not be so nice about your mental illness anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, to be and able start to having and those conversations. Speak, yeah.
1: Not in a, from a place of here's all the bad things that are happening for me. Uh, I want you to feel sorry for me. It's not from that place, but in a place of let's make our communication better. Let's make our relationships better. I think yeah. that once we start talking about those things, more people learn how to be around you more as well. Yeah. That's well, amazing.
0: Um, you're, you're absolutely right. If people, I what I learned is it, with some people is if when you're, more willing to discuss it or even maybe just talk a little bit about it the you you, you soon realize that the people that that you that you know really well mm-hmm. or that care about you they're not going to like fu- like they're not gonna walk away they're not gonna go oh yeah my no
1: God, and if they wrong.
0: yeah oh it's okay you're good
1: sorry uh my battery is about to run out but Uh and if they do leave or judge you or anything then they're not gonna they're not the person for you right now whether it's a friend or a family member i'm in the in the vibe that not because your family is your family you have to be their family being a family is um as more about bonding and and stuff. It's not just about bloodline. So yeah, yeah, like you can choose who to surround yourself with.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Those who, those who care about you will care about you no matter what. And if you tell them about saying, I, I'm, I'm struggling with mental illness and and I'm getting help and, and I have bad days and I have days that are really good. They're going to listen to you and they're going to be supportive. And and they're probably going to say,
1: yeah, they're probably going to say, okay, is there anything I can do on those bad days?
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: They're probably going to say that, that that's because, yeah, everybody loves people. You know, everybody feels just as much as you feel. I think that that's something important to feel, to remember that everybody feels as much as you feel, even if it's different feelings. Everybody feels as much as you feel.
0: 100%. What a way to end off. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. That's the end of today's episode. Um, Izzy, thank you for coming on. It, this was an amazing conversation. and Oh,
1: thank you it, so much. It was so yeah, fun.
0: Absolutely. I'm glad that we did this because it gives, you know, the more people that talk about this and talk about uh, trauma and mental illness and CPTSD, the better, it is for those who maybe have, are too, or don't have a voice right now, or don't know how. Yeah, to exactly.
1: Speak up. Yeah, exactly.
0: Excellent. we right. To, I'm
1: so grateful. Thank you. Yeah. For having you're, me. You're, you're so
0: welcome. Totally. All right, everyone. Um, that's it. Yeah. If there's anything that you are interested in, or if if you have any questions, you can definitely contact me. Um, and I can always relay them to izzy and then i'm sure we'd be more than happy to to help out um
1: yeah no definitely yeah
0: all right that's it everyone okay thanks for listening and i will talk to you later bye for now